0: Welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 45, and as always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co- co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going well. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, we're a little we're a little bit late. We're supposed to do a show last week, but things got screwed up. So last week we were supposed to have our a special guest, Randall Bennett, but instead he's on this week. How's it going, Randall?
1: Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the show again. It's good to be back. Yeah, how are things going over at TechV? It's going good. It's uh, lots of crazy stuff. Just like always, we've been doing the bottom line. We kind of rearranged the way the site works. We have a new full-time employee, Isaac Tar, who's the man. So, uh, you know, things are going good. It's just like, you know, the grind, as it were.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds good. I, I like the new design of the site. I especially like the new um, little floating video down in the lower right corner. Yeah, it's that
1: was uh, like two weeks of really freaking hard work. Like, I've had this idea to build this kind of crazy site. If you haven't seen it, go check it out at TechV.com. But essentially, we have this uh, video player in the right corner. And you can click around to any page on the site, and Ajax loads. So basically, you can keep watching videos as you're clicking around on the site. And then we also have this cool thing where uh, you can actually... We, we have it so pages will load behind the player. So like we could take you on a guided tour of a topic or something like that. So it's like lots of... Uh, it was crazy time to get that working, but now that it works, it's pretty cool. So,
0: so do you have anything special set up for that, for like the bandwidth impaired that, that doesn't automatically start... Playing the video or whatever. Sorry,
1: bandwidth impaired. I just, I just don't care about you, (laughs) alas. So sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering kind of how that worked. If there was any um, help for the bandwidth impaired.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, at this point, like if you have a small screen or you don't have a lot of bandwidth, I would just recommend not visiting TechV because I don't know how to program for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know the feeling about that.
2: Did you design this at your site? I mean, did you actually do the coding?
1: Yeah, I did all the coding. Like, it was, like, two weeks of me, like, not talking to anyone, essentially. Like, I had, um, I mean, I've had this idea for, like, since June, and I started kind of looking to raise money to have someone help me build it, and eventually I just kind of decided, like, I was never going to find anyone to raise money, so I just was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it, and so I just decided I was going to do it. Two weeks of really, really hard coding, and I worked, you know, all day, every day for two weeks, and then launched it, so... Yeah, it's just like lots of uh, you can, I, I, anyone who doesn't think they know PHP, like it's actually not that hard. So you can do it.
0: <laughs> Is it all still WordPress based?
1: Yeah, right now it's WordPress based. So it's you know we just it's like
0: all those PHP objects that WordPress comes with and all that stuff. So it's pretty it's pretty simplistic. Well, that's cool. I I know I still follow the site just as close as I can, even though I'm still not helping out anymore.
1: <laughs> no, it's cool. It's. It's it's one of those sites where it'll swallow you whole, like you it's you know it takes over your life, and right now it's taking over mine. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. I thought my life was kind of I thought I was starting to kind of get things to calm down a little bit, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere I get this position as a Microsoft student insider. Now I'm going off flying off to like PDC in L.A. and now I'm supposed to be doing all kinds of blogs and stuff for them and pretty much. Any hope of relaxing that I had has just kind of gone completely out the window. That's the life of a jet-setting nerd. Gotta love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love it, except for the fact that I didn't get a tab- the tablet that all the other attendees got at PDC because I was Ooh, with Microsoft. Is. That sucks. Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that, but otherwise <laughs> it was a fun conference. Yeah, but hey, you can't knock the price, right? Uh, yeah, I certainly can't do that free flight free they sent they gave me a free EPC a flip camera paid for the hotel good times man sounds yeah, cool yeah it's a nice gig i'm just kind of hoping that my honesty doesn't irritate them when i if i happen to say something that i don't like about microsoft or about a microsoft <laughs> product or something like that
1: yeah, they're pretty cool. About that. I'm sure they'll be cool about that stuff. That's part of being a blogger. You gotta keep it real.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of what I told the agency the that they did to do the hiring is that I'll I don't mind working for you, but in the end, I'm still gonna say what it is I want to say. So totally. They still hired me regardless. So I guess that's a good sign.
2: <laughs> yeah, it there seems like a, a lot of the stories are a little uh, Microsoft heavy for this week. So I was wondering if that was part of it. <laughs> that had
0: something to do with it? Uh, Not really. I mean, there was some decent stuff coming out of the PDC. It's just there wasn't that much happening with the Pirate Bay over the last week other than the fact that their um, tracker is no longer up. So I I thought that was a little bit too geeky as far as going over to DHT and everything. So I figured it was just a little bit easier going with this one.
1: No, I did notice that there was a preponderance of Microsoft Stories over the last couple weeks. It seems like all their people must have been on vacation or getting ready to go on vacation or something, because there's a lot of stories out right now, uh, specifically with Microsoft, so I, I can vouch that Jeremy is not shilling for Microsoft in the, his selection of stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it was either this or the kid who was had his parents call the cops on him, or no, he called the cops on his parents because they took away his um, gaming console, so yeah, hey, I, I do that all the time. I mean, I you gotta have your modern warfare too, man. Yeah, I <laughs> I haven't had but about five minutes to play that. It seems good, but I haven't really had a chance to try it out too much. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff.
1: I I don't even own it. I, my friend lets me borrow it, and I play his copy. So go yeah, ahead. I got it
0: on Steam. I I don't know. I'm, I'm still irritated by the fact that there's no dedicated servers because that kind of hurts me and my clan and everything. But I'll, I guess I've still yeah. got all the other Call of Duties for that. It's true. But anyway, we got plenty of stories to talk about, and we'll hold off on the Microsoft stories for a little bit, and talk about the fact that apparently smoking near Apple's computers can create a biohazard, and it'll void your warranty. This is
1: what, this is one of those stories that's like only in California. I mean, it's basically uh, there, there's a rule that says uh, you know smoking is. Dangerous. Hey, the Consumerist has a new design, uh, but they, uh, you know, it's dangerous and whatever. And apparently, the uh, some of these warranties were voided, and basically the text didn't want to work on them because of cigarette smoke residue and all this nonsense. And I don't know. Apparently, it's two different readers wrote into the Consumerist and said that you know it wasn't their computers broke, and maybe the cigarette smoke had a, played a role. But regardless, Apple wouldn't even fix them, and they wouldn't honor their AppleCare warranty because of the cigarette smoke.
0: Yeah, apparently they're saying this has something to do with, apparently if an employee doesn't want to work around it around cigarette smoke or whatever, they don't have to according to some OSHA rules or whatever. But I, I don't know, I, I've worked on a number of PCs in the past and it always seems like the ones that come from a smoker household tend to be the ones that are a little bit more disgusting to get into and clean out and everything.
1: I can appreciate that. I mean, smoking its yeah. like stuff in the air, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I've
2: worked on PCs when I was in college. and Actually, it was one of my first jobs in college was uh, PC repair. And uh, we we had some PCs that were yellow from all the smoke in the yellow. house. I would—I have to say that, yeah, nic- nicotine can't really do a number on a PC. But um, I don't think to the point it would actually avoid a
1: warranty. Yeah, that is kind of Apple being kind of lame that they're saying it's voiding the warranty because realistically, like you're buying the warranty whether you're a smoker or not, like they should honor it. So,
0: so that if
2: way. you're, we also had some PCs that have been in offices, um, like um, uh, like uh, uh, wood mills and yeah. different kinds of shops where there's a lot of dust in the air. So it would think that you would think that something like that would also fall under this guideline if it's in a hazardous environment. But um, there's the, they refused work to. To work on this PC because it was on the OSHA list of hazardous hazard substances. Can't talk. <laughs> hazardous substances and whatever. What el- The other things that are listed as hazardous substances are uh, rubbing alcohol, um, uh, peroxide, and sugar, and also talc, as in talcum powder.
1: Oh wow! So if you're loading up your uh, computer with sugar, you gotta be careful.
0: Yeah, so if you spill Coke on it, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of curious to know how something like that works with like alternate cooling methods. I know I've seen case mods where people dunk their whole PCs in vats of oil or whatever just for the sake of cooling. I'm kind of curious to know if doing something like that will void the warranty on your hardware.
1: I would say Intent, yes, it will. <laughs> yeah,
0: spoiler
2: alert. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It definitely would.
2: Yeah, but it's a shame that the like some of these fan some of these problems are as simple as like they thought the fan was out or maybe a CD-ROM need to be replaced. But the but just because one location refused to work on their their laptop or PC, I'm surprised they didn't go to another location. And even um, Apple headquarters upheld that it should not be worked on. And this is like three grand worth of equipment that is taken down by. um a simple fan or an optical drive, and they can't get it fixed. Yeah.
0: Well, I think at some point they should probably like refund the Apple Care or something like that I mean, this it's not in their terms of service that this is something that'll void the warranty. So, if this happens to be something that they're going to say is going to void the warranty, yet it's not in the terms of service, at least refund the people what they paid for the remaining amount on their Apple Care. You know, or something. Yeah, that's just kind of my opinion on the this whole should, thing. But.
2: This should be one of those things, like, if they refuse to work on it because of that, they should just replace the whole thing.
0: I don't know. I mean,
1: I I think that the only sketchy thing is that they don't tell people beforehand, right? Like, if you're a smoker, you don't know until it's too late. So, I mean, that to me is the worst part. I think... I don't know if they could, like... I don't know. I mean, they could replace the whole computer, but I'm I'm just... I don't really have too much sympathy in this case because, like, smoking really does, like, a number on a computer,
0: so.
2: (laughs) I agree, but, I mean, it should be stated, and just because it's not stated. And these are talking about two cases. We're talking about two cases. A third
0: is actually um, just, they updated the story, and it looks like they added a third down at the bottom.
2: So we're talking about a handful of people. Apple should just give them new PCs or make some sort of public statement or amend the terms and conditions if we're talking about the path of least resistance for a major corporation, it's nothing to them to just replace the computers.
1: Yeah, but that, I mean they've never been about just like the path of least resistance. You know, they're always about making sure that, you know, whatever Apple's brand is upheld and blah blah blah. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, and also we, ha- we have to remember that they're number one in customer service. So, um, I-, I guess whatever they do in, in this regard, for these cases, they're still better than the competition.
0: I'll agree with that. Uh, depending on what the, who the competition is, they might not be so good in terms of uh, failure rate, or at least over a three-year period, according to the next story. Apparently, their netbooks not only have a higher failure rate than laptops, but there's a number of laptops that have such... have horrible failure rates anyway. Um, HP being the worst, having a failure rate of over 25% over a three-year period.
1: Dude, HP is the worst. Seriously, the worst. Like, I had an HP laptop, and uh, it's like they don't even know. It's like, it's seriously like they don't even test their designs, I swear. Like, I had this HP laptop. Uh, it was like the Lance Armstrong edition or something, and I got it oh, because... Yeah. I got it because uh, it was, like, a really sweet deal, and plus, like, hey, cancer research, sure, whatever. And, right. and um, it has
2: an AMD processor in it.
1: Hey, it did have an AMD processor, you are correct. Um, but the, uh, the funny thing about it was, like, they didn't design the hinge on it well at all, so basically every time you closed it, it would essentially crack the outer casing a little bit at a time. So over a two-year period... By the end of the two years, my dad actually still has a laptop in his house, and I gave it to him. This is not leaving... I'm not using this anymore. And uh, it's it's seriously, like, cracked. Uh, the, the entire outer plastic casing around the hinges is cracked now. And I was just like, you know, obviously this is not a problem limited to me, because any anyone who actually uses their laptop and opens and closes it is going to have this issue. And it's just like HP doesn't even really test it beforehand. I don't know. just insane to me that... You know, every, there's tons of forum reports and there's tons of just people everywhere talking about this. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's so unacceptably lame in my view. Yeah,
0: I don't go anywhere near any HP product other than their printers. Their printers aren't usually too bad, although I still do prefer brother printers for the most part. But generally speaking, I stick to Acer and Asus when it comes to laptops. Otherwise, desktops and stuff, I build everything myself. Yeah. I'm um, down yeah, for... was, sorry. Go
2: ahead. I was gonna say I was looking at the the reliability, and I don't see uh, Dell mentioned here. Um, I wonder what their failure rate is because when I worked for them, um, they didn't hesitate to recall any problems that um, that may have arose or someone else discovered. But um, to my knowledge, I can't remember of any valid HP recalls for design flaws. I think they just let it go.
0: Yeah, they just are like, yeah, it's, it sucks to be you. Yeah. Well, if it's, any, they're, uh, I don't know. If it's anything like my experience. Um, when I fix computers and stuff for friends and family and whatever, Dell computers tend to make up about 90% of those, so I'm guessing based on that, that's probably a little bit higher than even HP, but that's just my guess.
1: Yeah, I feel like Dell has tons of market share, though, at least with my family. So, I feel like it's really hard for us to say based on our own knowledge, because I don't know how many people have, whatever,
0: so. But, Yeah. Oh, what amazes me is that is just how high Apple's failure rate is at um, seventeen point four percent. But then,
1: it's seriously, if it, if it's first gen hardware, it's like that stuff is like kryptonite. It just doesn't work. So that doesn't surprise me at all. But their second and third gen hardware typically is like top shelf. So let that be a, a lesson to you: buyer beware.
0: Well, I guess they've got to come up with some way to keep their the genius bar busy <laughs>
2: one special note is that i noticed that this is reported from square trade which is a third-party warranty provider and my personal experience every time i've seen square trade it's for used goods like on ebay or uh, refurbished through Woot or something like that yeah. so that could also point to why these numbers may be skewed slightly i don't know in what direction um, but, um, when you talk about Apple products, maybe it's something that's already been out for a couple of years and someone's selling it.
0: I, I had not even thought about that. I, then again, I've never actually heard a square trade before.
1: Yeah. I've seen them on Woot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Woot, Woot.
2: Woot and eBay is the only two places I've actually really seen them around. Hmm. Special note, though, I've actually bought a Square Trade warranty for a product that um, I then received, and it was the wrong product. I returned. I called Square Trade and told them, hey, I no longer have this product, and they immediately refunded without any cool. problems. That's
1: so awesome.
2: I, I, I greatly endorse them. I've
0: had no issues with them at
1: all. Customer service experiences lets you win.
0: <laughs> yeah, Generally speaking, I avoid any and all um, extra warranties just because generally they're pointless. If a device is going to fail, it's going to fail within the normal warranty period most of the time anyway. So it's not really worth it. And from what I understand, when most stores like a Best Buy or whatever go to sell you an extended warranty, pretty much all the money goes straight into that particular employee's pocket. Hmm, how fun. So uh, it, It's never made any real sense to me. But then again, I buy most of my stuff online anyway, and I stick with companies that I know I've had great customer experiences with in the past.
2: Yeah. Well, if you wanted an online-only PC, it looks like uh, Google has an OS for you.
0: Yeah. I, I'm i still putting together my thoughts on this, but I think this is probably going to be Google's biggest blunder they'll probably ever have. Really? I, I, I just can't get on board with this the, the the idea of having a browser that is or having an operating system that is essentially just the browser that you can't have any storage on there so you can have your own media on there you can't install your own apps or anything it's just the browser and web apps it that just doesn't seem right i mean if you're if you're going to have a constant connection to the internet it's not so bad but if the internet goes down you're screwed. If the power goes down, you're screwed. If you're traveling and, like, you're at a conference and the hotel internet is sucky, you're screwed. And it just doesn't seem to be all that well thought out to me.
1: Well, to me, it's like, there's a few circumstances where this works. I mean, the first offhand is 3G-connected, like the the Nokia booklet or something. Like, 3G-connected, always on internet devices. Like, this works really well with them because realistically it's like that's what it's built for, always on internet. Second thing is, there's HTML5, HTML5 has support for offline storage so it's not a matter of that it's impossible, it's just uh, we also kind of see when Chrome OS is released how well-developed offline storage is. I think it's not uh, a solution for everyone but I do definitely think that's a solution for some people, especially if you're looking for just you know a cheaper netbook, like uh, manufacturers are definitely going to offer this as an option just because you know it is a free alternative to Windows That'll keep the prices down, the margins up, and keep them happy on these computers that they don't make too much off of anyway. So I think it's... There's circumstances where I can definitely see it working, but I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it's going to replace Windows or supersede OS X or anything like that. It's just sort of another option out there.
2: I'll give you two scenarios in which a device like this would really flourish and do very well. Um, the first one is if uh, the... It's provided by a cell phone company like a T-Mobile or AT&T or Verizon, and it's subsidized to the point where it's virtually free. And the internet access comes with it, and it is it's pretty much uh, appropriate for a device like this. Since there is no storage, you're not going to do a lot of heavy downloading. So if it's like 15 bucks a month for internet access, and it comes pretty much subsidized at that price, that would make it a very popular device. The did other one,
1: 15, did you say 15 bucks a month?
2: Fifteen bucks a month on internet access and um, cost, out of the out of the box a hundred bucks. Um, you got to think that you're 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 going to be very doing very little downloading with this, so it should be appropriate for the device. Um, I mean, but
1: fifteen dollar a month internet's not going to happen for a really long
2: time. I, I it's I know it's not going to happen, but neither is this OS. <laughs> 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 so um, the other one is if it's an appliance. Kind of like a Twitter Peak, where it comes with internet access for the lifetime of it. Uh, you pay 200, 250 bucks, and it comes with maybe either the lifetime or even just three years of internet access in box. Those are the two scenarios I see something like this really taking off.
0: I don't see why they're even coming out with Chrome OS in the first place when supposedly all of the netbook and notebook vendors are playing with putting Android on their machines. Why would you come out with a whole new OS that, from the sounds of it, you have to have um, special hardware and stuff put into your machine and everything for, when you can just have Android and it's got tons of apps and there's already a big um, ecosystem there that you can tap right into, why would you want to create a whole other operating system to basically do the same thing?
1: Well, Uh, uh, because you can. I mean, like, realistically, Google didn't create Chrome OS, like... Chrome OS is created by some Google engineer on their 20% time. So realistically, this is just kind of someone's pet project that Google is like, you know, that's not a bad idea. Let's, might as, you might as well throw some extra development behind it. If we want, you know, we want the web to replace operating systems eventually, we might as well try to expedite it. I mean, I can definitely see where they're coming from. I don't think it's the answer, but I, I also see that it definitely is more complimentary to, to Android than, than I think, um, you know, most OS's would be by, two, by the same company, um, you know. Android, to me, is super focused on sort of the mobile experience and the App Store and whatever, whereas Chrome OS is just, you know, so tightly focused on a web browser, and that's it. Like, I mean, I think they kind of work together a little bit. I, I also... But, I, again, I don't think that they're totally... I mean, I don't think Google totally knows what this is necessarily. You know, I don't think it's, you know, two to three years before it's totally baked or whatever. So we'll see what happens in, the, in that time.
2: Also, you have to think of cost and scale. Um, when you... Think about a device like this and you want to get it as cheap as possible if they if all these different manufacturers are basically using the same like design kit then the cost of each one of those components is going to go up be I mean go down because of the amount of volume is going to go up so um, if you're looking for a truly cheap device restricting the, the platform is really the only way you can go
0: It was Jeremy? No, I'm here. Sorry about that. Uh, I I just kind of was having issues with my browser. I thought my browser just about crashed there. So I'm I'm Uh, I'm trying to cut down on the tabs I have open to see if it'll keep things from crashing on me.
2: Oh, that's also another problem. I've heard that Chrome has been crashy-crashy lately, lately. So (laughs) I would hate for an OS to, to have that
0: kind of stability problems. I never know. I'm kind of curious to know just how they're going to do in terms of battery life, because if you're always connected to the Internet and you're always transferring data, one of the major things that tends to kill battery life is Wi-Fi or the 3G connection or whatever. So I'm kind of curious to see what kind of size batteries they're going to put in there to hopefully compensate for something like that.
2: Yeah, well, if they it's going to have to be long. If it's a single-use device, you better get out some really good battery life out of it or else it's it's you might as well carry
0: a laptop with you. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I just I stay away from all things that are entirely the cloud, which
1: like Microsoft Azure?
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was at PDC this week, so I kind of got to see all the key...
1: What's PDC? I don't, I don't even know if that that's is... That's
0: Microsoft's big professional developers conference. That That's where okay. they usually announce things like new versions of Windows, new versions of IE or Azure, or they announced the new version of Silverlight, Silverlight 4, last week, as well as IE 9 they announced... It's pretty much Silverlight, IE9, and Azure was the, pretty much the focus of everything.
2: It's okay. kind of like uh, Microsoft's software CES, saying these are the platforms and the software that you're going to be developing on for the rest of the year, and this is what's coming out, so pre- be prepared, basically. Yeah, and then
0: they've, they've got yep. all kinds of sessions to show the developers how to use these systems and give them some sample code and stuff like that just to give, get them up and running.
1: Interesting stuff.
0: And they also have good parties there too. The Geek Fest was awesome. <laughs> uh, the Geek Fest, they took a big section of what was normally like the vendor space and stuff, put in all kinds of like old arcade games like Pac Man and Galaga and stuff like that, and had all kinds of old 70s and 80s music going, and pool tables and air hockey. And those geeks know how to party. <laughs> Actually, I got a whole video on stuff that i've that I've got that I'll put up later just to kind of show what it was like but they know how to have fun cool stuff
1: but
2: well it's, it looks like this Azure platform is pretty interesting they have it's not just one thing it's like a suite of online applications or not uh, or online infrastructure you have a database and you have some storage and you have some redundancy um, Microsoft pretty much has things put together as in whatever a developer could even ask for it looks like they're providing it with azure what which, which is better than some of the single source platforms like uh, what amazon's providing um, they, they basically have you do a lot of the work yourself but they just uh, give you some some cheap free storage not free but some cheap storage um, but microsoft looks like they're giving you the tools and the, the instructions on how to make it happen which is pretty exciting
0: and this is I can't say I really understand all of Azure but from what I saw and everything it, it looks pretty interesting as far as it, it to me it kind of feels like maybe a square space but for big business whereas it's more meant for hosting and scaling I don't know they in one of the sessions that I was in they talked a lot about scaling SQL databases in Azure and that if they were talking to somebody who runs like a Ticketmaster type site where on Saturdays when tickets go on sale they see a huge spike in traffic well if you're somebody like Ticketmaster you don't want to have to have all the ser- server capacity to be able to support those spikes and then everything throughout the week which is much smaller and you've just got a ton of overhead that you're not using so what things like Azure will allow you to do is when you are expecting these spikes or whatever you can like spin up a thousand other SQL databases almost instantly and then you're able to scale and accommodate huge amounts of traffic and, stu- and stuff like that and I think they were saying like for each database it's like 33 cents a day or something like that so you're only paying for what you use and you're, u- and you're paying daily which is a pretty interesting idea too
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think that some. I mean, there's a lot of smaller instances of this. I mean, uh, on a on the smallest scale, I use DreamHost VPS, which is not a cloud per se, but just more shared storage um, and shared computing resources. So basically, you know, when I'm when we have big traffic days, I can scale our servers up to you know four gigs of RAM. But most of the time, it just sticks around two like 200 megabytes of RAM, so that we don't have to waste all the server resources and money on that. So it's kind of like that on just like a more grandiose scale where you know, businesses who actually have traffic and actually, you know, have uh, lots of mission-critical things they need done, um, they can... It sounds like they'll be able to scale, I guess, just more the, you know, the .NET developers of the world who uh, like the Microsoft ecosystem instead of, you know, the LAMP guys who do sort of uh, the Amazon thing.
0: Yeah, I, I, they had one of their, I guess it was kind of like their like mini little server farms for Azure there in the area and I didn't really get a good video of it just kind of walking past it but it's basically kind of like a small server farm in what's basically kind of like a specialized shipping container just about just where they've got racks of servers, they've got specialized cooling you can hook it up to a water source so you can get water cooling going through there and it, it it's an, uh, an impressive little thing and I, I don't know how many hundreds of thir- servers they had in this shipping thing plus you could walk through the um this shipping container full of servers and see how everything works and it, it it's an impressive little thing and i guess they're going to have i think it's like a half dozen different deployments um over by the time things get going next year i, I think when i think when it st- they start uh shipping in January first or when they start charging in February or whatever. There there's some pretty cool hardware to just to look at. It's cool stuff.
2: Well it seems like you have to be like a good sweet spot to use a service like this. For instance, I'm I'm not one with a whole bunch of money and if I was gonna have something like Azure um, if I get slashed out of it or something, I want to be capped. I don't want I to I know they can dynamically increase capacity but I'd rather than just shut off my site instead of paying any more money uh, because I have a budget and if it's going to go over my
1: budget I have to plan for that and so yeah, you can build and stuff like that though I'm sure, that's, uh, I'm sure that's stuff you can build in So
2: I sure hope so um, or, um, but and then on the other hand this is also a brand new platform so I couldn't see an extremely large company moving all of their their, their hosting over to something like this that's virtually brand new
1: well, no, I mean I think it's like a it's a test out thing. Like they're gonna see what people like, what people don't like, and you know especially that first month, it's really just kind of like <clears throat> getting their feet wet and seeing what people think. And then you know the future, quote unquote, is the cloud. You know sort of virtualizing these bigger services and whatever. So I think like you know I don't think that this is something that everyone just fires the trigger on right away. But you know they'll test it out and scale it out and grow it over the next few years.
2: True, but you're also talking about the same corporations who work who wait for service pack one before they even buy. Oh uh, no,
1: definitely. I mean, it's sandbox. definitely going to be a sandbox sort of thing. Like they're going to play around with it, and yeah. make sure that you know whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So
0: well, my understanding is that now even WordPress.com is moved over to Azure because they had brought Matt Mullenweg up on stage, and I guess he was all excited about it and talking about Azure and WordPress and stuff like that and how they have integrated it and everything and then they brought up uh one of the i can't has cheeseburger guys which i guess there's a whole they have a whole network of sites they brought them up and launched a website right up on stage using azure so they're there's they've got some big um muscle behind the whole azure movement
1: yeah, sites so like WordPress.com are perfect for this because realistically, it's not till you actually have that sort of scale where you really need to worry about this stuff. I mean, like most everyone in the entire planet who does not have a site with over 10 million pages a month can really kind of ignore this because realistically, like it's not going to matter unless you are pushing some serious muscle.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, if you have a large site then, or if you're a large company or whatever, it can mean a lot to you, but for the most part, I don't think the average person will really care about it. Yeah. What
2: about what about Microsoft? Are they moving any of their sites to Azure?
0: I'm sure they
1: are.
2: I mean, like uh, their their web um, their their Office that's their web app for Office. I wonder if that's moving out there. Are they going to move uh, Hotmail over to there? Uh, how come they haven't talked about any of their internal sites that they've already moved to Azure? If they're about, I can't have cheeseburger. Because they can
1: let you be the test that case, and then they will just read the benefits.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. It, it sounded like, from what they were saying, that they've moved some of their stuff over, but it, I'm not sure how much they've moved their stuff over. Like, I don't know if they've got Bing running on Azure. Yeah. but.
2: Well, I wonder if, uh, if, if it could handle it. I mean, it seems like uh, Bing is really starting to... Gain some momentum.
0: Yeah, this kind of surprised me. Apparently, Bing now has ten percent market search market share in the U.S., largely thanks to Yahoo. Because Yahoo just it seems to be falling off a cliff this year.
1: Yeah, well, I mean I- Yahoo also made them. They uh, basically outsourced, outsourced their search technology to Bing as well. I don't know if that number is counted in there as well. Uh, but
0: from the way I read it, that still hasn't gone through. They're still kind of waiting on that to go through. So, from my understanding, it is it has never switch officially switched over yet.
1: Interesting stuff. I mean, to me, it's like Bing. If you put a you know, a hundred million dollar ad campaign, you better freaking see something out of it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Bing to me is um, it's my Internet Explorer on the web. Like, um, I usually use Firefox. When I get to a site that I that doesn't work right, I launch IE. I actually use Bing Search the same way. If I can't find something on Google, like especially for image search or something, Bing's my number two. It's a solid number two for me.
0: There's a site that I happened to come across a while ago, a little bit after Bing launched, that especially if you're looking to try and figure out which is better, Bing or Google or whatever, there's a site called Bing and Google, I I believe it's bingandgoogle.com. And you enter in a search term, and then it'll split the screen, bringing up the results. On one side, it'll be in Bing. On the other side, it'll be in Google. So then you can see which one's more accurate and which one you like better. Yeah, (laughs) I'm trying to bring it up right now. I think it's bingandgoogle.com. But if that's the case, it's being a little on the slow side for me. Ah, Now it's not loading up, according to
2: yeah, it's too much trouble for me. I usually search by highlighting and right-clicking and choose search in Google, or in the you know hitting Control K and typing in the search field. So that'd be too much of an issue with me. So the only <laughs> I mean I, I have to usually I have to hit it like four or five times if I can't find it in Google. That's the only time I hit the Bing. So yeah, I, I, you, Yahoo used to be that for me. Now it's now it's Bing, um, and with the rollout of Twitter. I think this is, Bing will probably be my Twitter search engine of choice.
0: Yeah, I just use when it comes to Twitter, I just use the search that's built into TweetDeck. It it's always done what I needed it to do. Yeah. But yeah, what kind of surprises me is how is the fact that Google is still continuing to gain market share despite the fact that Bing is gaining market share, although it seems to be at the expense of yahoo and aol which i never even yeah. never really pictured aol as anybody that has any significant market share in the search space to begin with
1: aol has a lot of traffic still i mean aol.com is still you know one of the top 10 sites in the net and i mean no matter what you think of them as far as you know whether you use them or whatever they're still you know there's still something to be said for them and i'm sure that their search searching their search engine share is going down and you know lots of uh stuff like that, but, you know, I don't know. I, there's still always places for Google to uh, take over the planet, I guess. <laughs> right.
2: And you also realize that these searches are probably for all their properties. Like, the Google search is also probably YouTube search, and so AOL has a lot of media media companies, too, and so it's probably aggregate searches on those properties also.
0: Yeah, yeah well, I'm wondering is Microsoft getting themselves into some hot water over this whole Xbox modding issue. So now there's a class-action lawsuit against them. Yeah.
1: This class-action lawsuit can be summed up by the following terms. I'm a lawyer who likes to make money. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, whenever I hear the word class-action lawsuit, I really just kind of think of these law firms who look at news items and they eventually say, okay, can we get enough people together to actually sue and then extract enough fees from the settlement to justify our time. Because realistically, like, a lot of these class class action lawsuits get really frivolous, and the lawyers essentially just like to make money off of these companies, which, you know, sure, there's a lot of class action lawsuits that are legitimate, but in this case, they're essentially saying, you know, it's not okay for them to ban Xbox Live users. So, you know, if you've modded your console, you're not allowed on Xbox Live, and they actually started implementing a gigantic, like 100,000 console ban uh, days before Modern Warfare 2 came out. So a lot of these people are up in arms because they can't play online for Modern Warfare 2. Spoiler alert, don't mod <laughs> your freaking Xbox.
2: Right. I, and and also, I think the lawyers are looking for some free advertising because a lot of people are going to be talking about this for probably a while and probably well, tracking this case.
1: <laughs> but
2: um, I don't know if, the, you know, I don't know if all advertising is good
1: advertising. <laughs> so, um, Realistically, like, I mean, they don't really have, the terms of service say don't Illegally modify your console.
0: Alright. There's
1: nothing they could really do about it. I mean it's just lame, so whatever.
0: Oh, well, and I hear that supposedly the modders have already come up with a workaround to get you back on Xbox Live anyway. But I don't know. Part of me kinda understands where they're coming from as far as if I'm if I get banned from Xbox Live then I get banned from things like Netflix and or the Streaming Netflix on the Xbox and stuff like that, and then I don't get my. But
1: it's still your own fault, though. You know, like I mean, it doesn't matter how many services you get kicked off
0: of; it's still like
1: against their terms of service. Oh. Like, you can't like drunk drive and be like, you know, I still can't get to work now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you don't get to come to work now.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I've never been one to support the whole console modding thing. I at one point I thought about getting a mod chip for my PSP, but I never took the plunge. Just.
1: I'm totally down for I'm totally down for like console modding and everything. I just think people that do it need to realize like it's against the terms of service. If you're gonna do it, like make sure. I mean, so like I modded a bunch of Xbox consoles in my day, and when you did that, you made it so that the eject button booted the system normally, so that you could get on Xbox Live, and the power button booted it like you know the mod chip. You just gotta be smart about the way you do things so that you don't get in trouble. And realistically. If you have a modded console and you're not playing games you know if you're playing on xbox live with the original games microsoft doesn't care like they don't, is the real thing is they don't want cheaters to run things on xbox live and you know that that sort of ruins the experience for everyone so i think i mean that's to me why they probably banned it right before modern warfare 2 came out so uh
2: ultimately this is a good thing this is showing that AMD, I'm sorry, Microsoft <laughs> is uh, a <laughs> yeah, Freudian slip there. Is staying true to their true their their customers ultimately, and, and people who threaten to, to 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 hurt their normal users are going to suffer the consequences. And so, this is something that I think the only people who are pissed off are the people who got banned.
1: Yeah, and
2: people who and people who mod their systems, they know they could fry it as soon as they crack open the case, anyway. So I mean, this this makes sense. The only thing that I'm scared of that people are gonna sell these modded Xboxes to people who don't know any better, and um, and they, and then they're gonna be stuck with a console and, got, and get cheated out of not being able to be on Xbox Live because of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't buy a console used at all unless you have a guarantee that basically says like this console will work on Xbox Live. So otherwise, you don't know what you're buying, you know. So mm-hmm. fire beware. Yeah, exactly. Especially now, I mean, Craigslist is flooded with this stuff, so you gotta watch watch it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not. I actually got to wondering. Last I knew, the mod chips that you can get for the 360 and stuff are still not even legal to sell in the U.S. So as far as I know, you st- you have to have them imported from Asia or whatever to just to even get them.
1: Yeah, it's lots of drama to get mod chips. So.
0: Yeah, and I know a lot of the top manufacturers have even been taken down for selling mod chips over in Asia and stuff. That, that That's part of the reason I never got into it. I, I've always been a big fan of, like, modding a console or whatever to make it look better, but I'm not, I am don't do anything as far as changing the function of it. I, I, I've, yeah. I don't know how many times I've changed, like, the face plates on my PSPs and stuff, but I've never done anything to give it some extra abilities or anything. Well, I do custom firmware, but I don't do anything hardware-wise, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: what about uh hacking it so that you get alerts from the government?
0: Yeah, this this was a <laughs> story I that kind of scares me. I mean, apparently New York is now working on some kind of an alert system for game consoles. I guess right now primarily for Xbox, but it's coming to the other ones too where if there's some kind of a natural or man-made disaster, you'll be alerted over your game console as to what's going on, kind of like what you'd see if you're watching TV and they interrupt programming or whatever, although they don't say what form this is going to take as far as is it going to be like a pop-up or is it going to be just like a little scroll at the bottom of the screen or exactly how this is going to work. I mean, I would imagine it being just like an Xbox
1: alert message, right? Like, they could easily just bring a pop of the dashboard and just give like a quick alert of, you know, tornado warning in your area or whatever. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think you'd have to be super pervasive, but it would just be like something, you know, something worth alerting.
2: Yeah. I think it's a very um, non-mainstream idea of how to get information out there. But the only thing that I would have to say is that it sounds pretty inefficient to target one specific network instead of the other way around. In which you would make some sort of protocol in which emergency Definitely. information can be distributed efficiently, and then allow Microsoft access to that. And
1: well, you, in, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, I was saying then you can get to PSN, you can get it to, um, you can get it to Nintendo, you can get to all these other different proprietary makers, and even put it in um, like a consumer electronics, like HD radio or whatever that has an LCD or some whatever you want. Just make it more pervasive, but make it more of a standard instead of uh, tailoring for one network
1: well I think a lot of the problems too um, you know until we have ipv6 uh, you know if you're broadcasting gigantic amounts of packets all around the internet there's some Rubik slowdown issues I mean if it's just little like text messages sure it's one thing mm-hmm. but you know there's if, if you want to do video uh, alert level stuff you know if there's like a September 11th I don't know if you guys remember on September 11th but basically like you couldn't access the internet. Like it didn't work.
2: Yeah, because, yeah. C- uh, the CNN was down. I know that. Yeah,
1: most, almost every news website was down because people were trying to grab so much information. Yeah. Um, you know, in the time since then, obviously the internet's a lot more mature. But uh, realistically, like without IPv6 or some sort of, uh, you know, flavorful multicast protocol, uh, you know, we're still kind of in
0: the dark if there's you know broadcast style emergencies. So. It's, that's why I think we should just stick to the old like the old tornado sirens or just get sirens set up around town, something going on, blast the sirens and then everybody turns to their local radio station or something.
1: But you got to admit though that there's there's some gigantic advantages to being able to deliver text messages to, uh, you know, text messages or uh, you know, just alert messages to game consoles or whatever, just because people aren't going to be watching TV. I mean, the sirens sure they'll work and people will turn on TV or radio or whatever, but um, you know, I mean, I think there's some real advantage to being able to efficiently distribute information, especially you know, once the actual event is over, there are, you know, if you have an emergency service where you're, you need people to gather or whatever, you know, distributing it over cell phone networks if they still work or you know whatever sh- they they have got to find more, uh, technologically advanced ways of getting that information out because there's, you know, it, it, you could save lives and make things way more efficient in emergencies. So
0: and yeah, I think that's largely why they're doing this. Is more I. I, I know I've seen studies in the past saying that things like TV watching and stuff is down largely because people are spending more time on their Wii's or their 360's or whatever so if if in this case those people probably aren't listening to the radio or whatever at the same time so this is about the only way to get a hold of people in an emergency if if that need arises so I can certainly understand why they're doing it I just hope that it doesn't um, interrupt my experience so that if I'm in the middle of a game of Halo Three or something like that, that it interrupts me trying to kill somebody just because a train blew up or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people who don't even watch local news, and personally, I um, time shift a lot of the program that I that I watch, and it's amazing that I watch an old program and then there's a weather alert. I was like, well. I, I am now trained to ignore all of those weather loads because I know yeah. that it's, it's it's so old information, and uh, I know a lot of people who who just you know ditch cable, ditch TV, and just have a Roku. Um, yeah. So the, the system like this would be good for people who just don't watch television traditionally. Um, and so, that's, I, I think, just hope
1: the, I, think the, I think the protocol idea though hits the nail on the head of like this doesn't need to be like Microsoft and New York working together. This should be like an open protocol that establishes, you know, authority and allows, you know, different agencies to send information to different people and you should be able to opt into alerts and, like, there's lots of, like, pieces of the puzzle that are missing, so...
0: Yeah, Yeah, and then
2: you can send it to your phone, then you can send it to your Xbox. I mean, exactly. it's just like Twitter. Twitter's on everything now. Um, just think about the same kind of protocol, but just, you know, for emergency services.
1: Yeah, or more to the point, maybe Twitter works, works it out so that, you know... Twitter seems to have solved some of those problems of bottlenecking, you know, large broadcasts of messages with, you know, people having millions of followers. Like I think mm-hmm. they might be the people to figure this out. So
2: like you, Randall. I know you have a ton of follow
0: <laughs> I'm internet famous. I don't know if you've <laughs> heard of Actually last I checked, I think I've still got more followers than you last I knew. Probably then again, I, don't it's know. Been... I don't really care about follower count. I think it's like it bugs me.
1: That like total aside rant but, like to me Twitter would be better
0: if there were no follower numbers listed. Because <laughs> people would stop trying to game the system. That, that That's kind of a thought that I had yesterday as I was just walking through the grocery store, is that a lot of people are acting, especially these things where you can um, sell ads on your tweets or whatever, a lot of those metrics are driven by how many followers you have, but that's kind of essentially about as flawed as the advertising on TV model, is that yeah you have people following you but you never know if they're paying attention if they're in the other room or if they ever see your tweet or whatever so there's really no way of knowing for sure if your message was actually seen by anybody even though you may have thousands of followers yeah but definitely Yeah,
2: yeah. lists are the new followers by the way
0: (laughs) yeah I haven't really gotten into the whole list thing yet but eventually I will but anyway, um, I believe you have to get going there, Randall.
1: Yep, I do. It's uh, late here. It's later where you guys are, but you know, gotta take care of the wife and all that stuff. So, thanks for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's a good time as always.
0: Yeah, sure. And everybody should definitely go check out TechV.com. Got some of the best video shows in regards to technology on the internet. Hopefully um,
1: hopefully more people will find them, so tell your friends all that stuff.
0: Yeah, did you guys happen to get uh, nominated for any podcast awards or anything?
1: No, we're not cool enough. We're not big enough yet. Once we're bigger, maybe we'll get more nominations. But no, we're too small right now. Uh, so, so you guys
0: have the quality <laughs> of being able to get some of the podcast awards.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, our quality is definitely there. I'm definitely happy with the product. It's just a matter of getting it out there and having people find out about it now. So.
0: Yeah. Well, good luck on that. All right, all right. thanks, guys. Later. Good time to you, Randall. Take care. I, likewise. Yeah, see yeah. ya. Well, anyway, we've still got a couple more stories here.
2: Uh, yeah, none of them mentioning Microsoft, no. Is that a coincidence?
0: Well, technically, if you count our <laughs> tip of the week, that I guess you could say there's still one more. But, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sony is apparently looking to expand the PlayStation Network into a Sony Online Service Basically, to sell music, books, and videos, and overall, just kind of compete with iTunes. Something they should have had a long time ago.
2: Good, but scary. You know, Sony, Memory Stick, all these proprietary fo- formats. I wonder if uh, if all the content that you download from the service will only play on Sony products. Their Blu-ray players, their PSP. Um, didn't they have those? Uh, there's PSP Go games that didn't even play on their own systems.
0: Yeah, I heard something about that where. Games weren't playing right, or games were showing up later than they were supposed to, and all kinds of different problems. Well,
2: basically, what I was like, yeah, you could download PSP, but then you wouldn't, you wouldn't tra- you couldn't transfer. No, because the DRM problem. Oh, you
0: could re- you dropped out a couple of times there. Didn't get a whole lot of that.
2: Oh, sorry. Um, basically, you could download the PSP Go games from the PS. Uh, on the PS3, and it was touted you could transfer them to the PSP Go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, because of DRM problems, they weren't they weren't allowing the transfer to the PSP Go from the PS3. And since they're PSP Go games, they wouldn't play on the PS3.
0: Yeah, it the whole... They never seem to have had a very good overall strategy for how all the parts tend to come together and everything. And the whole idea of a Sony online service is something that they've kind of needed for a long time, and I, I think if they had something like that, they never would have lost such huge market share to the iPod in terms of the Walkman.
2: Yeah. I'm guessing this is something they were planning the whole time, but um, probably some delays after delays, or maybe it's just uh, licensing. They weren't able to get things together before for the launch.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think they've got... It seems like they've got these different stores in kind of different formats but n- nothing in one solid integrated platform I know, I know they've got their books for their e-readers I know you can, watch, you can buy videos on the Playstation Network and I would assume they've probably got some sort of a service for the Walkmans or whatever but I really don't know for sure it's just they don't have one single integrated platform for all this stuff which it sounds like they may be starting to realize that
2: yeah, um, let's look at execution. Um, I mean, everyone wants more content in more places. Uh, let's look at execution and see if they're able to be transferable and if the quality is there. Um, and, and if the prices are reasonable, I guess, is the other big thing. And is it going to be comparable with all the other services that are, are um, currently already launched?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and pricing has always kind of been an issue for me. I mean, I've got the PS3, and generally when it comes to watching movies, I'll go on my 360 to to stream a movie or something like that, but there are times when I want to buy something off the PS3, and there's one of two problems. A, they're really expensive, which, why why they are as expensive as they are doesn't make a whole lot of sense, because a lot of their movies they're still charging 20 bucks for, when I could go over to Walmart and pick it up for 7 bucks or whatever. And two, I don't understand why I can never seem to be able to buy any HD quality videos. If I buy a movie, it has to be in standard def. But if if I want to rent a movie, I can get it in high def. That makes no sense at all.
2: Yeah, yeah, those little idiosyncrasies are probably going to be uh, the bane of a service like this. They really need to make sure... They, they listen to customers, which is I think is some of the, their biggest problem.
0: Yeah, well, if, if they had listened to customers in the first place, they never would have released the PSP Go.
2: True, true. And um, if they were um, friends of yours on Facebook, would you unfriend them?
0: I would consider it. I, I, I definitely would unfriend them I've Sony. always been a little bit of a Sony fanboy, but after the whole PSP Go thing, I would probably unfriend them but apparently, according to the yeah. New Oxford American Dictionary, unfriend is now the word of the year.
2: Which is is when you know you've made it big time, <laughs> once you made it into the dictionary. Apparently it's been in the dictionary for uh, tens of decades, but um, it's just now making its revival uh, with all this social networking that's going around.
0: Yeah, well, it always seems like the dictionaries and stuff tend to lag quite a ways behind common language i mean what wasn't it like last year the year before that like noob was the new big <laughs> word or whatever even though it's been around for who knows how many years
2: with zeros yeah. in it unless
0: yeah it it amazes me how out of touch these whoever it is that runs these dictionaries are
2: yeah well it's also good to see that you know um, the English language is a living language, and that things like this, like unfriend, uh, actually becomes part of the lexicon. Um, but, but <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I've actually used this in real life. <laughs> how, how many times have I used the term that unfriended someone to the point that I think uh, it would beat out um, some of the other words that are listed here. Like, sexting. Like, I've heard that on the news all the time, but I've never heard of unfriend.
0: I've actually used unfriend a few times just because it seems like the last um, major shift that Facebook had in terms of a design here, I don't know, a month or two ago or whatever, they seem to have um, unfriended me and a number of my friends. I've I've found I don't know how many uh, people that are just no longer my friends. There was just some, apparently, some kind of a bug in the system where uh, Mm -hmm. those relationships aren't there like they were before.
2: Yeah, Yeah. bug.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it kind of irritates me. I'd like like to know how many friends I had before that. I mean, right now I'm sitting at a little, I think, like 202 friends, and I think there's been at least a half dozen that I've seen that it's unfriended or whatever, and when I send friend requests, I don't ever seem to get confirmations back, so... I don't know if it's people aren't friending me again or if my requests aren't going through because it thinks I'm still a friend even though it shows that I'm not a friend. I I don't have a clue how this is all working.
2: Yeah, I mean, we all have some of the same problems um, with these networks. Um, I guess the pervasive problems are also what pushes how they are really real-life problems. It's, there have been breakups and a lot of stuff around that probably pushed the popularity of the term unfriend as opposed to hashtag and netbook and sexting. Um, it, it, sexting doesn't really affect a lot of us, mm-hmm. but, but we hear it in the news. Um, but I think unfriending is something that we all, um, we all know about.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that what well, should just now be a requirement for anybody that creates these dictionaries is that they should have to go around and find different IRC chat rooms to hang around in. That is where you find out words as they form. (laughs) Then get the definitions and put them in there as soon as possible, not wait several years and to have several uses of a word or whatever so that it can be officially called a word and then stick it in the dictionary. Just go hang out in the IRC chat rooms for a couple of days.
2: I think they're looking for longevity. I think that's probably part of it. They're seeing if they do stick around or if it's just a flash in the
0: pan. Well, st- still, even if it is just a, a flash in the pan, at some point down the road, somebody's going to want to know what this term means. They're going to go to the dictionary, and it's not going to be there. So th- the best chance they're going to have is to go to Urban Dictionary.
2: Yeah. Or, I mean, what Daddio was a, a term that was popular. Um, but I don't know if that ever made it to the dictionary. Uh, I, I wonder if this is done by committee or if this is done by just um, um by by the individual execs of the companies that make the dictionaries but um, i I think with the advent of the internet, I think it's actually less important now. It's easier to find what these words mean
0: yeah i'm I'm not real sure. I think it's by committee, but it, as I recall, there seems to be um, several different requirements like a word has to be used in more than one situation or more than five situations or something like that and a couple of other requirements before it can be considered a possibility of being a word accept, accepted into the dictionary. So yeah, but um, and, in the end it's anyway, all controlled by a few people just like the news is. Exactly. Exactly. But speaking of which, apparently with this whole Microsoft, um, Rupert Murdoch thing, where Rupert Murdoch doesn't want the Times, the New York Times or whatever, to be indexed by Google, so Microsoft is considering paying them to be able to index all the New York Times stuff or whatever on Bing instead. Well, apparently, Dig CEO, Jay Adelson, um, sat down for a talk on, I believe it was... Was it Fox Fox Business? Business? Well, apparently, as far as he's concerned, or what he believes, is that people don't expect to pay for news anymore. And I think he's completely right on that.
2: Yeah, news is pervasive. uh, if, If you want to find out something, it's either going to come to you or it's going to be on wherever you go to most. So if you hit a paywall like I do with the Wall Street Journal, um, you could just change your search term a little little bit and find the same information somewhere else. Um, so, so if it's something that you care about, it's not the news itself, it's the delivery of it. Mm-hmm and um, that's what needs to change and that's what's going to need to be monetized is the delivery, not the actual content
0: Now this is kind of something I've slowly become a more, little more familiar with, I mean for the most part any news that I care about I subscribe to enough sites and Google Reader that if it's something that even remotely interests me, I'm going to know about it right away, but I've gotten to the point lately where if there's something that interests me but it's not showing up at that particular moment in my Google Reader, I'll usually search um, something generally um, related to the story on the news section of Google, and then it'll give me all of the news about a particular topic from pretty much any site, whether it's a newspaper or a major blog like an Ars Technica or something.
2: Yeah, I think that's the point that Rupert's making. <laughs> Rupert make, is making that people are stealing his content is because of that. But um, it's because the content is shoehorned into uh, their old thinking that um, if you provide it, uh, people should come to you. Even, it. But nobody has a monopoly on the moves, and, and they just need to do a better job instead of whining.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's part of the problem of trying to have exclusives in the internet age you can't really have an exclusive as far as um, I know a lot of times with the New York Times they'll have a particular story up that they're the one that breaks the story but all 15 minutes after they break it everybody on the internet's writing it up so and that's that 15 minutes of exclusivity doesn't really mean anything when most people won't know about a story for a little while after that, anyway.
2: Right. The people who hear it are already listening to that particular news outlet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it it makes me kind of wonder how things like newspapers, as far as like can still stay around in terms of like investigative journalism and stuff. I, I I think that's something that we certainly need. But when they're trying to do this stuff as term in terms of an exclusive. I don't see how they can survive with stuff like that.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's as, as long as it's relevant and um, they... Because I said, it's the delivery, not the content. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they figure out what how their readers want the information and be able to deliver it that same way, someone who could repurpose the same information but not give it the same delivery, and that small change or difference could, could be the reason why you would go to certain outlets.
0: Yeah, it, uh, I, I've i never, I guess anymore, there seems to be so many different ways to get it. I'm not sure that I would be willing to pay for one delivery method over another. That's kind of why I um, unsubscribe to the New York Times on my Kindle, because I could still get it free online. So it, I really don't care how I get the content. I just want to get it.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Because that's all that that you right. want. Um, but if, uh, for instance, if you wanted the information, like you said, you were getting to the Kindle because it was convenient, mm-hmm. right? And you just didn't want to pay for it because you could get another source. But if that difference, I mean, but at one point you did pay for it, so it did make a difference. And I think um, it it just wasn't making enough a difference to continue the service. And I think that's the That's what we're getting at
0: here. Well, at that point, I had never really had much of an experience with the New York Times or any national newspaper, for that matter. We've only got, like, one local newspaper here, and we don't really get much in the way of national newspapers. I mean, we used to get, like, the Rocky Mountain News and stuff when it was still around, and even that was on a limited basis after a while. But I just never really experienced a national news uh, publication before like that. And I'd known, I'd seen a number of times on the internet where they tend to break stories, technology-related and stuff. That was kind of why I got it on my Kindle. At the time, I didn't really realize that the website and stuff was free. So that's just kind of why I got it on the Kindle when I did and had it for the month or two months or whatever that I had it for. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But, I don't know, it it was worth it. It's just that navigating stuff like that in the Kindle still isn't as easy as it should be. From what I understand, there's coming a new firmware update for the Kindle in the first half of 2010 or whatever that's supposed to be that's supposed to make navigation a whole lot easier. So, that's one thing I'm definitely looking forward to. But anyway, I guess that is all of our news stories. We are running very long with this show, I believe. Oh, yeah. Woo! Yeah, we're running a little long. I, I knew I wanted to cut back on a story. I just didn't feel like cutting back on any stories. But anyway, the tip of the week for this week is apparently the fact that Microsoft 2010 Professional is now, now has a beta available for download. So if you're looking for... Um, a new version, if you're wanting to try out the new versions of Office, the new version like of Word and PowerPoint and Excel and Outlook and stuff like that, definitely want to check out the link in the show notes you can get that. I'm not sure exactly how long the beta goes through, I, I think it's like mid-next year is how long it's valid for, something like that, kind of... I assume it's kind of like the whole Windows 7 thing where at a certain point it starts to shut down to kind of warn you that it's about to expire or whatever. I or I assume that's kind of how it will work. I'm not exactly sure. I need to look into that a little bit more. But if you're wanting to stick with Office, don't feel like paying for it, and you really don't want to mess with Open Office, this is a good temporary solution for you, and you get to try out right. what's new and all the new cool features too.
2: And just a heads up, the Outlook portion of Office Suite is a bit buggy.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah, I haven't messed with the 2010 yet. I've I've been meaning to download it ever since I heard that the beta was available, but I was at PDC at the time and internet there wasn't really download friendly.
2: Yeah, the um the search is a little wanky. Um, because of the indexing uh, I don't know what what they changed in that and uh, the send and receive is also a little buggy and sometimes uh, it won't send and receive unless you do a manual refresh of send and receive so um, it it has a little
0: bit of its issues Hmm. well I guess that's to be expected with a beta yeah definitely So try it at your own risk it could be fun, it could be worth it I don't know, I'll probably check it out myself But anyway, I guess that's pretty much everything for this week. Don't forget to check out the Global Geek News blog, which is globalgeeknews.com slash blog. That's where I've kind of been doing my blog posts and stuff about PDC. I still got a couple more of those coming, and I was thinking about doing some more about my opinions on the Chrome OS and a few other things. And don't forget to check out globalgeeknews.com, which is where you can find all of the show notes for today's show and all of our shows. And I will be posting a number of, posting several videos from PDC, various things from the Geek Fest, the party that I spoke about earlier, um, the quick walk by of the Azure um, shipping container server farm thing. Um, I believe I had some videos of the different vendors, including some of the AMD stuff like the Infinity and stuff like that, and. I also had took a little bit of video of me playing with the Microsoft Surface table, which I think this is like the second or third time that I've gotten to play around with a Surface table. Still not that impressed. I mean, it's cool, but it's kind of like that. Um, uh, it's just kind of it, it feels kind of like the Wii to me, in and in that it's just kind of a, a fad. Gimmicky. Yeah, a little, it's a little on the gimmicky side. Now, if I can do something like if I can set like a drink on it and it can warm up or cool down my drink or something like that, I'd be all in favor of that. If yeah. I can do that like while watching a video on it at the same time or something.
2: Yeah, they need something like a real life CSI demo on one of those things for it to for for me to be interested.
0: Yeah, I, I was playing with it a little bit. I couldn't figure out how to get to like a menu to see about other programs. I know, I I saw I think two different applications running on the surface. I think I saw one that it was maybe like a game, I couldn't really tell, I was kinda halfway across the room, but I think it could have been the Firefly game that was like the first game for the Surface. Speaking of which, I believe they officially launched an SDK for Surface last week. But um, the one I got to play with that it was in the video was basically just a stream of tweets about PDC just kinda flowing across the screen on the table. So, yeah, it, it wasn't.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Is it worth ten thousand? No, I don't think so.
0: No, I, I was kind of curious to know how much those things weighed. I didn't try picking one up. I didn't think they would probably be too happy with that. From what I've heard, it probably weighs like around two hundred pounds, and two hundred pounds for a table just isn't worth it. I don't think. But anyway, I got plenty of videos for those, and since they are in a flip HD camera, they should all be they should all be in HD. I don't know how exactly they'll turn out when I put them up on YouTube and wherever else, but I guess we'll find that out soon enough. But I've still got a number of um, things to talk about in terms of PDC on the blog, so don't forget to keep an eye out on that. And I've got a couple of other things coming up for the blog, and actually the video itself is probably going to be a regular feature now that I have a decent camera. I just need to find a decent tripod for it. But anyway, don't forget that you can donate to the show at, I believe it's globalgeeknews.com slash donations, or global, I think you can also donate globalgeeknews.com slash blog slash donations as well, I believe. Um, Anything over $10, you can get your URL or whatever listed on the page, anything over, I think it's $25, I think I'd have it set as, you'll get a shout out on the show as well as for whatever link you want. But we do do our best to provide you with, hopefully, um, assuming we don't have interrupted schedules, at least a good hour or so of technology content every week. I go through a lot to get everything prepared and to, get, to bring you just the latest technology news and kind of what's going on. So please feel free to appreciate my efforts by donating to the show. And if you can't donate, that's fine. I mean, oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's like i don't know 5 bucks a month 10 bucks a month maybe just or whatever you have just left in your PayPal account if you never use your PayPal account cuz you don't you're not on eBay like you used to or whatever and you've got a couple bucks sitting in there just feel free to empty your account out and just send it our way um, I could always use help with the server bills like i said a couple of weeks ago i just paid a 190 server bill for the next 2 years and that's not even including domain names so it, like I said, if you can't um, help out monetarily, feel free to um, spread the word about the podcast, tell your friends, tell your family, talk about it on Twitter, talk about it on all the forums and all the IRC rooms that you're in. Just do whatever you can to help the show grow, whether it's, I don't care if it's with money or if it's by word of mouth, just do what you can to help the show, and... Speaking of which, don't forget to follow Global Geek News on Twitter, which is at Global Geek News. I am at PC Nerd Thirty Seven. You are at Wesley Eighty Three. Yep. And, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this show. Yep, that's all I have. And don't forget to check out the show notes at Global dot com, where you can find, read all of the fascinating stuff and the stories that we chose, at, and a little bit more. But I guess that's all for this week so we will see you guys next week and again a special thanks to randall for being on the show it was great to have him on as a guest for i believe this is his second appearance now and hopefully not the last so thanks again randall don't forget to check him out at techv.com but that's all we have for this week so we will see you guys later